think the most crucial thing about real estate and about sport is that you are going to get constructive criticism. You are going to get negative feedback. You are going to be told, sorry, you're not good enough or no, we've gone with someone else or whatever it might be. But that you need to turn into a positive and use that information to make yourself better. So it's a continued game of personal growth. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington with you for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me I have, all the way from Adelaide, Kate Smith. Hey Kate, how are you? Hi Leanne, how are you? Yeah, going well. Now Kate is the Principal and Director of Harcourt Smith and I believe that you were the top area agent of the year. Was that in 2021? That was, yes, so the realestate.com awards, yes. Fantastic. And you absolutely smashed it at the recent Harcourts Awards. Tell me about the awards you won. So we obviously had our quarterlies and our office had a clean sweep of all the auction categories. I was number one residential salesperson, property management as well, a few awards, and a few of our sales members starting to be recognised quite high up within the franchise as well, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. You and I got to actually meet. You spoke at one of our very early Property Girls events in Adelaide. So obviously I know a little bit about your story, but for those of that don't know you, how long have you been in real estate? So I have been in the industry for 20 years Mm -hmm. and have been a business owner now for about 10 of those. I actually began my real estate career off the back of what I call a failed sporting career at quite an elite level. So it was, I was by going to say, I'm not sure that people would call playing basketball for Australia a failed sporting career. Right? <laughs> However, let's talk about that for a second. Yes. So how long did you play basketball for? Okay. So for me, for people that haven't met me, I am six foot three and I was this height by the age of 12. I was fully grown. So there was a lot of anticipation and expectation around my basketball I started playing at the age of four, so there was a lot of build-up into what I could possibly become. Were your parents direction. basketballers? One of my brothers actually did play NBL. Right. So I did come from a basketball family and then very quickly developed a passion for it myself. Yeah. At the age of 15, I was recruited up to the Australian Institute of Sport where you live, I'm not sure if anyone knows that setup, but you live there full-time. You complete your schooling up there, but you do live in a full-time capacity at the age of 15 to 18. Right. But basically, you're there to just train and play basketball. So the expectations around that was we were going to make up the Australian team. So spent you know that three-year journey getting ready for that yep. in the way that I had hoped. So how did it end? So... We got to the point where we were down to like the final 12 or 15. Obviously, with basketball, they'd probably take 10 away for the team at a time and got called into the coach's office and was told 
basically you're not good enough and thanks for coming and that's after how long were you living there so three years and was sent home that very afternoon as well it was very at the time something that I'd been working towards my whole life yeah basically told wasn't going to happen and so you were only what about 19 by that stage I would have been 17 or 18 at that point right okay how did you cope with that so flying back from Canberra to Adelaide, which is about a two-hour flight, I remember getting on the plane and just crying. I couldn't stop crying. And the air hostess coming up to me multiple times just saying, are you, like, are you okay? What's wrong? And I just couldn't stop crying for about two weeks. But funnily enough, I do remember getting home and getting up the next morning and still training. And I think the thing about sport is that it teaches you, you know, you've got to roll with the punches, but basically, you know, I got up the next morning and, and still kept training. Sounds like you might have been in denial, Kate. <laughs> what were you thinking when you're getting up to train? Because a lot of people would just go, I'm just going to lie in bed and eat Tim Tams or something, right? Look, I think that's the thing about sport is that it has obviously taught me at that time about being accountable discipline, work ethic, and having come off the back of an environment where you're training three times a day, it's just something that gets inbred in you and you just do it by default. So I still continued doing that even throughout that period. I still trained every day. I remember maintaining that. And I suppose there's quite a few very successful agents that have got that discipline of sport and in particular team sport in their background. So talk to me about what has been able to translate from basketball into real estate. It's a really good question because at the time I didn't correlate the two, but now reflecting back on it, I think that is very accurate. I think the most crucial thing about real estate and about sport is that you are going to get constructive criticism. You are going to get negative feedback. You are going to be told, sorry, you're not good enough or no, we've gone with someone else or whatever it might be. But that you need to turn into a positive and use that information to make yourself better. So it's a continued game of personal growth or personal development. And at the time, you don't always feel that way, but it's that going through that day on, day after day, you need to get to a point where you can be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And I think I learned that very early on in my real estate career. And so for those that have never had that kind of sporting career, because that's one of the challenges, right, that people find with real estate is that constant rejection. Have you got any tips on how people can better deal with that? To be honest, myself, the last few months, I've even had to rethink or relearn or retrain that. It's not something that you ever really, it still hurts. That'll never not be the case. That never goes away. But then obviously the drive or the determination that you turn it into and say, okay, well, I missed out on this opportunity, but what can I do for the next five clients to try and make that momentum swing? And I think for me, why I got to where I am now is I could take the criticism because that's what sport was for me. I was told day after day that this isn't good enough, you need to do this. You know, in the same way, missing out on potential listings, you need to be able to turn that momentum around and focus on the next opportunity. So to me, no, N-O means next opportunity. Oh, I like that. <laughs> N-O means next opportunity. 
in my business, we try to be really transparent and kind of reframe the concept of failure. So the team will get together and go, so that didn't go so well. Let's get curious about how we can change that for next time. So we try and keep a really curious mindset as to how we can learn from the things that we haven't done so well. Yes. And I think also at the end of the day, when you are employed by a vendor, you're there to do a job and you're not there to tell them what they want to hear. You need to tell them what they should be hearing. And we're obviously going to be heading into a market where that is going to be very, very important. You're not going to sell anything if you can't have those really difficult conversations, right? Yep, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with having those conversations. It's just about the way that you go about it to avoid that conflict. And so you would obviously be very comfortable with the concept of coaches and being coached. Do you coach your existing sales team? Do you have a coaching framework in your business? We do. So we do have bi-weekly coaching with an Adelaide-based coach here, James Williams. And I know that a crucial turning point for me in my career was I started training with Tom Panos. I started flying over to Sydney back then before COVID and doing everything remote. I would come over and train with Josh as well. So I really started investing in training. I remember going to my first ARIC in 2014 and thinking I want to talk on that stage one day and got to live that out in 2021. How terrifying was that? Yeah, it was completely terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me laugh. So many people say what you've exactly said. They watch somebody speak at ARIC and then they aspire to be on stage. And I'm someone who's done a lot of public speaking. And can I tell you, I don't aspire to being on that stage at all. (laughs) How do you get over the nerves attached with doing something that's so far out of your comfort zone? Look, it was amazing. And I remember the day that Tom rang me and asked me and I said, Tom, I'm just driving to a listing appointment. Can I call you back after and tell you? And he said, Kate, if you don't take this opportunity, there's like 100 or 200 other people I can ring right now that will. And he's right. You've got to go out of your comfort zone. There's nothing good in your comfort zone. All the great stuff happens outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's so true. And I always say to people, the things that I'm most proud of in my life and my career have been the things that have been the hardest, the hardest decisions to make, the hardest things to actually do. So, you know, it's all very well to take the easy road, but ultimately that's not where the satisfaction is found, right? Yeah. So how did you feel after that presentation, which I was at, by the way? You were great. great. Oh, look, I was relieved when it was over. For me, I had a two-year build-in because I was meant to talk at 2020 and it got postponed because of COVID. So I had two years to stress about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, look, I loved it and very, very honoured to be asked to. Yeah, totally. Like I said, a lot of people want to do that and there's only a handful every year that get the opportunity, so good on you. Thank you. Now, you've got kids. Tell me about your kids. Yeah, so I have a five and a four-year-old. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) You've got your hands full. Yes. I find parenting much, much more challenging than real estate. So, yeah, parenting is just something that when it happens, you don't know what to expect and it does change your life. I would say to you, Kate, a five-year-old and a four-year-old, was the five-year-old just so good you thought, this is easy, I'll have another one? Kind of, kind of, yeah. Now, I know you've had some backlash maybe about being a working mother. Can you talk to me about what happened? Yeah, look, for me, 
because I was a business owner at the time when I had my daughter Paris, I didn't have a very big team around me. So literally from the day she was born to when I went back to work was 10 days and seven of those I was in the hospital with her. So I didn't get that special maternity time with her or maternity leave. There was a lot of juggling, having to bring her into the office and it was a very tricky time, but obviously we got through it. I actually found that the most backlash I got was from either friends or family, you know, saying, oh, you're doing these things. And, you know, it doesn't mean I don't love my daughter or any of my children as much. It just means that as a business owner, you do have big responsibilities. And I had said to myself, that as a woman within the industry, I had noted a few female agents that once they did have children, they did disappear from the industry. And that may have been a choice of theirs, but that was a decision that I had made for myself. I didn't want that to happen. Yeah. I find it interesting when I know that your friends and family always have your own best interests at heart and they want you to learn from their mistakes and they don't want you to miss out on the special time with the baby and yada, yada, yada. But I always find it disappointing when people judge you for your decisions because you're a very successful woman. You know, you should be able to make those decisions for yourself. I think ultimately that is part of being within the real estate industry as well. I think unless you are in the industry or have a partner that's in the industry that you don't completely understand what it does take and it's not something that, as we know, it doesn't just happen instantly. It is a very long time. And it is, for me, it's been a very big building to get where I am now. And as much as I love my children, I knew if I had taken that time away, then that would have had me where I am today. And a lot of the backlash would be, oh, you don't love your kids. You know, you need to prioritize your kids over work. Sometimes appointments, you'd be out till very late at night, etc. And there was a lot of commentary around being a bad mum, basically, because of that. And how did you cope with that? I think I still carry that and you do have that guilt. I have that guilt all the time but I've made that decision and whether I regret that in 10 or 15 years' time but I look at it and I think, well, if I am going to take that time, I might as well be as successful as I can so I can be a role model for my daughter and then when my daughter wants to be a CEO or whatever she wants to do, she can do it with confidence and know that as a woman, why can't we have it all? I mean, male agents, I don't think would get the backlash that female agents do if they're not with their children at all hours of the day. So, Oh, completely. Yeah. And it's very surprising to still experience that, but it does happen. Yeah, you wouldn't think in this day and age that it would still be a problem, but I know from one of my business partners is Delene Lewis. She's just had her third child at the age of 50, crazy woman that she is. So, yeah, we've had a few conversations, particularly when she had her first. We had a lot of conversations about that. I remember, Leanne, that with my second, I was so paranoid about not getting work that I wore this ridiculous jacket, like it was hot, and I'd be wearing this jacket. And I remember going to a vendor's house and I said, oh, look, I'm going to be away for about 10 days and they turned to me and they said, Kate, like, are you pregnant or what's going on? And I was like, yeah, but I'll be back in a week. So that's what I did because that's what I had. Yeah, you know, I've been judged many times because I don't have children and so I just, I don't know, I just think people should just support everyone's right to make their own decisions and the life that they want. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so tell me a little bit about your business. How big is your team now? So we are around 20 now, so it's very rapidly. And that was part of the purpose or the move over to the Harcourts franchise as well. And that has seen the team grow very quickly, which has been great. Yeah, that is one of the advantages. Obviously, I'm a franchisor, so I am biased. But it is one of the advantages of having a known brand, right, is that it can be easier to recruit people. So that's great. But that's becoming a big business to run and to juggle, right? Yeah. And for me, I'm definitely a much better lister and seller than business owner. So that's a journey for me. Why do you say that? What do you find most challenging about business ownership? I think that like attracts like. So obviously being a high performer, I had a certain mindset. And if you didn't have that mindset, then that was wrong, according to me. But obviously you learn as you get into or further into business ownership that not everyone has the same mindset. People have different goals and ideas of what they want to achieve. And that's all great. And that's what you need to make a successful business. Initially, I thought unless they're looking to take over the world or whatever, so it was more of a learning curve for me. Can I suggest, Kate, if you had 20 people like you, it would be a very (laughs) difficult business to manage. (laughs) But that's the thing, right? We all, and it's something that I've learned over the years from a recruitment perspective, we like people that are like us. But I'm the same. If I only employed people that were like me, we would have a really good time. There'd be a lot of fun to be had, but doing budgets and procedures and policies and detail, probably not so much, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so that is it. It's very challenging. The people management is always the hardest part of any business ownership. So if you had 25 hours in a day, just one more hour a day, what would you choose to do with it, do you think? Prospect. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) I have to say that is one thing about business ownership where I don't get to be on the phones prospecting as much as I would like to and I miss it. Like that's part of, you know, I would. Without a shadow of a doubt, that's what I would do. You didn't ever miss a beat then? No. no. That's amazing. Obviously, most of the people that watch these podcasts are real estate. So if you had any advice to impart on somebody who was either embarking on their real estate career or kind of looking at the year behind them thinking, I didn't really hit the goals that I wanted to hit this year, what would your advice be to them? Definitely write it down. Hold yourself accountable by writing it down. Knowing what you want to achieve, I think, again, for me, for a few years there, I didn't know what I wanted to achieve from it. But once I got very clear, wrote down my vision and then implemented training and a schedule around that, then things happened. So it's yeah. me 20 years to get where I am, but for other people, they might be able to do it in five or ten. So it's just being really clear about what you want from the industry because we're so fortunate that we are in an industry where if you want to be a $10 million rider or whatever it is, you can do it. Or if you don't want to do that, you can do that as well. I don't think there's any other industry where we can pick and choose what we want out of it, what we want our paycheck to be or not to be or whatever it might be. Yeah, I know. We're incredibly fortunate, right? There's no limit on what we can achieve. And if you prefer not to have that high GCI but want to have a little bit more flexibility with time, you can do that too, so long as you find yourself in the right office. Yep. Amazing. What are you seeing for 2023? I am definitely seeing, and not that the market has dropped because in Adelaide we're really fortunate where like we haven't experienced a price decline. Level of stock has certainly tightened up. 
and we are getting to a point now where basically you need to be a negotiator for, for a living. You need to be very good at having uncomfortable conversations. You need to be very good at negotiating. And I think we're going back to a time where there needs to be a lot of face-to-face communication. So maybe during the last 12 months, we all got a little bit lazy in that, okay, we know we're going to get six offers off the back of this two showings. Yeah. So of that vendor constant face-to-face or communication may have disappeared a little bit. But I think we're heading into a market where that will be very, very important. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's um, good advice for anybody, no matter what part of the world they're in. And at the end of the day, we don't make the market, but we can control what we do within that market. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, we've got to be not too focused on what's going on with prices because, let's face it, we don't actually care whether prices are high or low or in between. What we care about is people transacting. So we've just got to get good at those conversations. Correct. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. It's been lovely to catch up with you again. You too. Thank you for having me and for asking. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.